This is episode number 28 with David Corcoran. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. My name is Tibor Nagy, mindset and performance coach and the founder of Mindset Horizon. The mission of this weekly show is to reveal the disruptive mindset of purpose-driven entrepreneurs, high performers, visionaries, and change makers, so you can transform your mindset, realize your full potential, and execute on your dreams. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now let's get started. Welcome back everyone to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm really excited to announce that today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a 30-day free trial membership. By signing up for free, you are going to receive your first free audiobook and two free Audible originals. Go to mindsethorizon.com forward slash audiobook and sign up for a 30-day free trial membership today. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash audiobook that's A-U-D-I-O-B-O-O-K. Again, that's mindsethorizon.com forward slash audiobook. Get the free trial, the free audiobook, and two free Audible originals today. And now let's dive into the episode. My guest today is David Corcoran, and I really enjoyed this conversation with David on how to conquer the fear of public speaking and become a better performer by focusing on and improving both the mental and the technical part of the game. In this episode, David shares his journey of starting his own business, resonant personal development. We talk about the mental and practical aspects of becoming a better performer on stage. And David shares practical insights on how to perform at our best. We also talk about how to overcome fear and stage anxiety. And David shares tips on how to shift your energy and state to become more confident on stage. We talk about how to find your authentic voice as a speaker and how to get into flow states on stage and overcome your inner critic and ego by coming from a place of service and authenticity. And now a couple of words about today's guest. So David Corcoran hails from Australia and moved to Vienna, Austria in January 2015 with his family. In Australia, David was a professional opera singer performing with Opera Australia at the Sydney Opera House. To see a list of roles David sang, simply visit www.davidcorcoran.com.au. David has completed a bachelor's degree and graduate diploma in psychology, a diploma in coaching, and a master's degree in human resources management at International Business School. In Australia, before singing, he worked for a major Australian retailer, called supermarkets and in the outplacement industry and while opera singing as a cycling instructor for the city of Sydney and as a professional life coach in personal development. Working now as a communication skills trainer, David combines his skills in voice, public speaking and coaching on top of his native English skills to help people improve themselves. He's passionate about personal development and encouraging others to become the best version of themselves. David is also a lecturer in body language at FH Wien for the Bachelor of Corporate Communications course in English. David is an active Toastmaster, which is a worldwide public speaking organization, and he has served as the division director of Toastmasters in Austria, a club president of Vienna Toastmasters Club 551, and area director of D5. 
So without further ado, let's bring on today's guest. Hey, David, and welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Hi, Thibaut. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here with me. I'm really excited because, first of all, uh, you are uh, the second guest from Vienna, Austria, where we are both located, and it's really good to have somebody from town. You know, it's really exciting. And um, as I mentioned in the very beginning, you're a communication skills trainer and executive voice coach who combines his skills in voice, public speaking, and coaching on top of his native English skills to help people improve themselves. You're also passionate about personal development and encouraging others to become the best versions of themselves. And this podcast is all about this. So this is great already. (laughs) And I'm excited to dive into uh, exciting topics. And without being too serious, because, you know, one of my words for 2020 is playfulness and fun, which I was missing last year a lot, I think. Yeah. So first of all, talk to us a little bit about your journey uh, of becoming, you know, executive voice coach and um, yeah, basically your journey from being an opera singer to resonant personal development. Sure, Tibor. So uh, thanks again for this opportunity. Uh, I basically started singing when I was 23. And when I moved to Vienna nearly five years ago, I was in my mid-30s. And I had worked professionally as an opera singer uh, from about 26 to 36. And basically, I decided to step out of opera. I uh, have a wife who's also a singer, and I have a couple of young kids. And so when we arrived in Vienna, I really felt like it was important for me to be home in order to look after my kids, to share in their journeys, to help us all get over some of the hurdles that we faced in moving to a completely new country. So in Australia, we, we speak English. Over here in Austria, it's German. And my wife had a tremendous opportunity with the Wiener Staatsoper, and I wanted to support her in that journey. So mm-hmm. I looked at what else could I do in my life as, a, as an occupation or as a job, and what could I do to really bring my experience to perhaps a new market of people? And I previously studied before opera, I actually studied psychology and I have two degrees in psychology. So I wanted to combine my psychology studies with then my vocal development as a singer. And I'd also studied life coaching in Australia in 2014. So from 2013, 14 to just before we left, I had undertaken an International Coaching Federation approved course. And so when I arrived in Austria, I really wanted to explore what I could do within the coaching and training environment. I originally started, uh, when I arrived in in Austria, I started a CELTA course, which is the sort of uh, certificate for English teaching as a foreign language through Cambridge University. So I did that as an upskill. And by the first year, the end of the first year, I had finished the course and I was working as a language trainer. And it was through the training environment that I really started to see. I'd go into companies. So I only teach business English. And I would go into companies and I'd work with people and train sometimes one person right through to about nine or 10 people at a time for anywhere from half an hour to two hours at a time. And in that first few months, I started to realize, well, actually, I, I really like this. This is, this is something I could really get used to. And so I started to think about what else could I do in terms of combining it with what I had done. So, of course, in the training room, I use my voice. It's a performance in a way. I'm imparting knowledge and skills that I have as an English native speaker. 
but I wanted to combine it in other ways. So I went and I did my master's of human resources management, and I specialized in my thesis on mentoring and coaching. Again, looking at the historical aspects to do with mentoring, training, and coaching. And out of that, I also started to realize that I couldn't just rely on voice. So I, I, I enjoy voice and vocal aspects, but I didn't want to turn up to Austrian. In particular, as you know, in Austria, uh, titles are important, which is why I did my master's. But also, I didn't want to just yeah. turn up and say, hi, I'm an opera singer. Let me be your voice coach or let me be your uh, skills trainer here. What else can I combine with that? And I combined it with what I feel is important is emotional intelligence. So when I first studied psychology, emotional intelligence was just starting. Uh, Daniel Goleman had written his book. It was starting to become a new thing. But at the time in psychology, it wasn't really trusted as a legitimate form of science. And now 20 years on, emotional intelligence is one of the key skills for the 21st mm -hmm. century. So I went and did a course uh, with six seconds in emotional intelligence. It's a week-long course. I did it in London. And I was very fortunate to do it with a fellow mm -hmm. who's the CEO of Six Seconds. His name is Joshua Friedman. And Joshua was the person who wrote, he has a couple of books, and I took the books, I bought the books, I read the books, and I took them to him. And I didn't realize, but at the end of the week, I said, you have a fantastic voice. He said, yes, I'm a theater major. And it was a, a, a light bulb moment because I thought, wow, he was a man who'd also been in the theater, who had now transitioned into emotional intelligence, was a great trainer, and is in way a, a mentor and a role model to me now. I still interact with him, and I'm still part of the Six Seconds organization. And basically, he wrote in the front of one of my books, he said, thank you for bringing your voice, your clarity, and resonance to this topic. And that was a, another light bulb moment where I thought about this word, resonance and to be resonant and that's how i came up with the, the 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 company name resonant personal development because as a coach and trainer it's not just about your voice for me it's about combining it with your psychology with your life and incorporating all aspects but especially your emotions and so for me uh i've taken a five-year journey which you know to, we've just celebrated five years in vienna i feel like i'm now coming to terms with What can I value? What 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 value do I bring to the market, both here in Austria and Vienna, but I would hope more internationally in the future, uh, where my my website details, my topics are voice, presentation skills, emotional intelligence, uh, and public speaking. So these are really the pillars, and body language is the other one too that I've added a lot. So it's really about uh, being able to combine. Now I feel all aspects of what I've done over the last nearly 41 years. Wow, this is this is so exciting. I mean, just listening to your to your story for a couple of reasons, of course, right? Uh, one of the reasons is is of course the transitioning. I have been transitioned from architecture to to personal development and the podcast that I do right now, you know, so it's it's really interesting. Uh, one thing that you've mentioned is, you mm -hmm. know, in Austria You need to have titles and so forth, and you know this transition is can be something mm -hmm. uh, difficult for a lot of people for this reason because of society's expectations and you know do I have the title mm -hmm. and and for example uh, in my case I experienced some kind of uh, identity crisis I would say to be very vulnerable here and 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 speaking my truth 
because you know I considered mm -hmm. myself to be an architect. You know, I spent just ten years in that field um, with university and everything, and I just transitioned to to this mm -hmm. new field. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's it's hard, and I appreciate you you know sharing this and, and telling us about your story because I think it's really important for people to hear this, you know, that it is possible. And this podcast is, is really about showing people the mindset of possibilities that you can become whoever you want mm -hmm. and you can do whatever you want. You just need to decide what you want to focus on. So it's, it's a really great aspect. And your field, of mm -hmm. course, public speaking and personal development and all these things are just, you know, uh, fields that I'm interested in. And I think public speaking and using your voice, being able to communicate is really important, especially for everybody in any case, but, you know, especially for entrepreneurs who want to share their message, especially mission-driven entrepreneurs, you know, they want to speak mm -hmm. up, they want to share their messages and so forth. And I am focusing very much on those people, you know, coaches, thought leaders who want to speak mm -hmm. up, but mm -hmm. they have this fear of public speaking And, you know, we are going to talk about authenticity and different kind of topics, but it was true in my case as well. Like, uh, you know, for example, I chose podcasting because I wanted to speak more, right? And this is a, this is a way of practicing, uh, mm -hmm. speaking more, practicing the language and so forth. But we will dive into that. I just wanted to, you know, give some insights and <laughs> tell you a little bit more why I'm so excited yeah hearing uh, about your story and um, I just wanted to ask you to to dive a little bit deeper into you know how to how can someone uh, reduce stage anxiety so for example I mentioned fear of public speaking which is a little bit too strong you know we sometimes come up with this expression of you know conquer your fear eliminate fear and, and so forth maybe fear mm -hmm. of public speaking is just too strong but you know I experienced some kind of some similar feelings in my life when I needed to uh, speak in front of a public and I just felt, you know, paralyzed because I, I think, you know, the, the fear response just kicked in and it was about, you know, fight or flight really. And uh, when we uh, dive into this um, topic, uh, reducing stage anxiety, I wanted to separate this like before going on stage and then being on stage and performing already. So How can someone reduce stage anxiety before going on stage? Great question. So for me, absolutely, preparation is key. And a lot of the messages that I bring to people sound simple, but it's how we execute on those simple ideas that makes all the difference. And I love, for instance, I'm a, a Toastmaster here in Vienna. I've been an area director and a club president, and then most recently, the division director of Austria, the first person of that. And I had to get up in front of groups a lot. I've had to, over the course of my life, even when I was at finishing high school, I was the captain of rowing and I had to get up in front of 800 boys at, at school in Melbourne, in Australia, and give a three to four minute speech about the rowing results wow. every week for the first term. Now I can tell you in that moment, I used to write out my speeches. I used to be nervous. And I would honestly say that, you know, Fear of public speaking is one of the biggest fears that people have, often more than uh, taxes, more than death. And when I talk to people one-on-one -on -one in a coaching, they often say, oh, gosh, I could never do what you do. Mm -hmm. well, but of course you can. 
Of course you can. It comes down to, I believe, a couple of key factors. If we talk about your body, when your body is in fight or flight, your breath is high. You are not in a grounded state. And so by grounding your body, thinking through to your feet or even connecting with your feet, really putting your feet on the ground. And when I'm in the opera, when I was in the opera, uh, and I watch the opera now when my wife performs and things, and I look for clues in the opera about how people perform. And what I've noticed through the training that I've received and the people that I've seen is that when your feet are firmly on the floor and your knees mm. are bent, mm. this is key. So one of my first keys for people to really unlock and reduce their fear in public speaking is about putting your feet on the ground and bending your knees a little bit. Because when we're bending, we're actually in in a flow state. I, I like the book by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, another yeah. another wonderful Hungarian who, who really wrote about how we achieve these states. Now, I achieve, I believe, a flow state when I speak, and I think it's because my body, I feel, is like water. Wow. I'm, I'm constantly moving. I'm dynamic. I'm not stiff. And so I think a fear is created. I actually came up with an expression. Fear, fixed creates fear. Flow creates freedom. So fixed creates fear. So when we're fixed, our body's rigid. Wow. We're standing still. Our knees are locked. That, I feel, induces more fear. So if psychologically you're feeling fear, if your body's locked, you aren't able to combat it. Just as, you know, when you finish a run and you're puffed, you need to find a way to bring your breath down as soon as possible, don't you? In order to recover efficiently from physical exercise, we need to find a way to, to bring it down. So fix creates fear, but flow creates freedom. So in that sense, when our body's in flow, so that's why I say bend your knees, wiggle your hips, and actually ground your body. And I actually have a stance that I teach people uh, which I have a Udemy course on, but I teach people where if you if you do this neutral stance and you remove your outside layer. So I, I go a little bit into character work with some people, but on the body perspective, in the preparation, I really would encourage your, your listeners to think about removing the, the outer layers, returning to a body in a state, in, in a moment. And you do this not five minutes before the speech, you do this off the morning of the speech, mm -hmm. but you also find moments. So I've been fortunate, as I say, in five years to kind of put together my system, my structure, to work with people and try out ideas through my training and workshops. Mm -hmm. And I see more and more people that when they do these things, they get the results that they want. Wow. So when your knees are bent, your breath can go lower. And this is true for opera and singers, as is true for speakers. Because when our breath is high, we're full of fear. So we need to drop our breath. It's like a diaphragmatic breathing technique. And it's similar if you've done yoga or martial arts, where you learn to what we call belly breathe. Mm -hmm. Again, it sounds yeah. simple, but when you're in a moment of psychological distress because you're worried about something, it's difficult to drop it down. And even I, as a performer, find it sometimes difficult to drop it down. I'm human as well. So I try at times to think of my own system when I'm performing. Uh, and, and we all have those moments. So the other thing that's really important for your listeners to understand is that we all have the fight or flight. I don't believe that there is a way. If somebody walks up and says, I don't get nervous public speaking, then either 
I think they're fooling themselves or they've disguised and masked their, their own understanding of their, of their body. We all feel something because it's energy. And that's the biggest learning that I have from all facets of my life, that we are energy, our cells, our quantum physics. We are complete balls of energy. And so how you utilize the energy. So even now in this podcast with you, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on and I'm doing the things that I do in my normal public speaking environment in order to put on and, and deliver something that's useful to your listeners, to, to speak and walk my talk and to, to do things well. Now, yeah. so what I'm doing is, is I'm using the energy of this moment in a positive way. And I like to call opera and singing arias in opera, particularly giving a three-minute speech at your workplace or perhaps going for that job interview, I could call them what I say knife edge moments. These moments when you either fail or you succeed. Now, if you fail, that's okay. You've got more opportunities, more doors, more sings, more songs, more arias, more speeches to give. So, But the important part is to say, okay, what, what did I not do there? Perhaps my knees were locked. Perhaps my body was uptight. Perhaps my back was too straight. And so in my, in my coaching, in my courses, I try to make sure that people's bodies are really set up in the best possible way. When we breathe well, we speak well. And when we speak well, we sing well, sing well, speak well. My teachers have always said it's the same thing. So you don't have to be a speaker, a singer to be a speaker, but you could be. And certainly utilizing and singing on the morning of a, of a speech would also be a helpful thing. And you mentioned what can we do in the moment. So I'm a big yeah, believer yeah. in pausing. I'm a big believer in vocal variation, but also in moments where maybe you go and grab a glass of water or you've got a glass of water on stage, take a sip. Often we feel like we need to fill space with our sound. And this is one of the learnings that I have from Toastmasters and watching hundreds of people from the community come and give speeches. And I see a pattern where some people fill space, where it has to be three minutes of of constant sound. Like if you go to the operas of Johann Strauss, uh, Richard Strauss, uh, they're through composed, which means that it's 90 minutes of a constant wall of sound. And sometimes you come out of those and you think, oh, my goodness, like that was too much. Just as if somebody speaks for three minutes and the whole three minutes is filled with sound, it's too much. And people arm and ah and they add in sounds and filler words. So I often say, let's let's chunk this out, let's cut this up. So as a speaker, when you're in the wow. moment, find wow. moments to pause. A pause can be long, it can be too long, of course, where people then start to think that you've lost your words or lost your way. That's not <laughs> ideal. And that's why yeah, working with a exactly. voice coach, for instance, on a presentation is where I give people the understanding <laughs> that needs longer pause. That's too long. Or why don't you pause there? Let's add impact with this word or that word. Let's change this a little bit. What do you want to do here? This is not what you've asked me to perhaps interpret what um, image or what emotion you're giving across. I don't believe it. And so this is where I act as a mirror for people yeah. uh, in that journey. But people in the moment. So the other tip on when people are in the speech, in the moment, in the knife edge moment, is to say, mm-hmm. can they 
and I'd encourage your listeners to listen with your eyes. So listening with your eyes means that you are observing the audience while you are speaking, and ideally you're looking for signals from your audience that they're either engaged, disengaged, motivated, unmotivated, whatever it is that we find ways to observe. Is my message Mm -hmm. getting across? Do I need to uh, shift gears a little bit? Do I need to put in something, go, go on off on a different tangent, for instance? which is why I always say to people, never memorize a speech. Never memorize. So the final thing to reduce stage anxiety and nervousness is do not memorize because instead when you verbalize, and this comes from one of the, the books that I've read by Jerry Wiseman in The Power Presenter, he says verbalize, which means that on any given topic or if you looked at two speeches on the same topic by the same person, they would not be the same. There could be the same common thread through both, the same structure and the same idea, but the word choices, the emphasis, the pausing, the speed, the dynamic would all be different because you have two completely different groups of people in the room. So I think, you know, in a way, it is a mental mindset. It is bringing a performance aspect to what you do, realizing that any speech you give, any time you... Many people say to me, David, one of the hardest things I find to do is actually to stand up during question time. I've been watching somebody else at a conference or at an event, and I want to ask a question. And when I put my hand up to ask the question, my heart starts pumping, thumping out of my chest. And I think, oh my God. And then they ask the question and they say, they sit down and they don't even realize what was the answer. Because in that moment, they've, they've absolutely fight or flight. They've gone in for fight, but they haven't necessarily been breathing like a performer up until that moment. And so that's the difference between somebody who gives a speech and somebody who asks a question. The speech giver is like a a boxer, a title fighter, somebody who's prepared in the morning, gotten up, gotten into a good routine, good habits, and then has utilized their performance so that by the time they hit their performance, whether it's at 9 a.m. or 5 p.m., they have enough energy and they're able to use the energy of the moment to find their flow. Absolutely. I I love the things that you are talking about. I wanted to refer back to, for example, mm-hmm. energy. And I am a huge believer of states. Uh, it, it comes from NLP and, you know, mm-hmm. changing your states, basically. It's possible to change your state and get into another kind of state, which I actually do before, before podcasting or, or doing an interview because before that, of course, you know, uh, I'm, in, I'm in a different state. I'm doing different things. And it's important to be able to, to shift your state. I don't know if mm-hmm. you... Yes. Um, if you've yes. seen, for example, Tony Robbins, right? Good example. Before he goes on stage, what he does actually, yes. you know, yes. different kind of routines. He's jumping. He's doing everything like that. You know, he gets into a different kind of state. And I'm a huge believer in when you mm-hmm. get into the right state, you can, you know, just perform better so it's it's about preparing this performance aspect the energy the really the energy that you you talk mm-hmm. about and uh, mm-hmm. i do this before the podcasting and i have this routine you know i do some push-ups and so on so i i get into this energy or state excited state so to speak so it's really interesting and as you mentioned i think there's a 
there's a mindset part of it, how you think about this, uh, you know, before going on stage and also on stage. So I think mindset is a huge aspect or part of it before you go on stage, like your self-talk, what you talk about. I think that the mindset, how you think, your thoughts going on in your head uh, or the routine that you mentioned, a morning routine, something like that, mental rehearsal can be really effective before mm -hmm. going on stage because before going on stage, basically everything is happening in your mind, right? So this is the mindset and the mental part of it. And then being on stage, I very much like the fact that you were talking about flow, like how can someone uh, get into that flow state? You know, before uh, going on stage, I wanted to ask you about the, the mindset or the confidence part of it. Like, how can someone, you know, just be more confident by focusing on getting into the right mental mindset of performing on stage? It's a good question. I think it's partly individual. So you mentioned push-ups. I worked with another fellow who would go to the gym and really sweat. Yeah. I'm also a big fan of trying to find moments in your everyday life where you uh -huh. can absolutely be in the state. So I have to admit that now after nearly 20 years of singing, I started singing at 23 and I'll be 41 tomorrow. And I basically got to a point, I, I've gotten to a point where my voice and my body is always ready. So I don't have to do too much. So what I'd say is that over a period of years, if, for instance, you want to find ways to be ready every day. So it doesn't mean, it means vocally, yes, but it also might mean in how you relate to people. I often say mm -hmm. our first impressions start with a handshake. And when you go out onto stage, like Tony does in, that, uh, in, in his uh, documentary, or when people go out onto stage, it's a handshake with the audience. Your first words are a handshake with the audience. <laughs> so how do you want that handshake to be? Do you want it to be a tight, gripping handshake? Wow. Do you want it to be like floppy sausages? Do you want it to be, you know, and actually in my coachings, I make people, I work at the university here. Uh, of applied sciences and I make people in my classes go around and shake each other's yeah. hands and give feedback and it's often the first time a mm -hmm. people have received the feedback but it's also about making conscious choices mm -hmm. and and that's what you're doing you've said I, I get up and I, I do some push-ups or I prepare myself you go into perhaps the hour or two beforehand you're preparing for the podcast you've set up your environment and setting up your environment is something that's absolutely crucial to, to any kind of mental mindset. If you are rushing to work, there were moments when I worked at the Sydney Opera House for eight years in Sydney. And yeah. there were moments when my kids were young and they'd just been born where I literally had to help around at mm -hmm. home and then rush down to the theatre. And I, you always have to be ready half an hour before the performance start time. And sometimes I'd leave it and I wouldn't be, I, an hour before, I still hadn't arrived in the theatre. In comparison, my, my wife, when she's at the Wiener Staatsoper here, she might leave up to two hours before the, the performance. So that she's got plenty of time to catch the train on time, to get to work on time, to then ease into grabbing a drink, maybe saying hi to a few people, going casually to the makeup room, getting yeah. her makeup done, so that by yeah. the time she gets to the half an hour call, she's in a relaxed flow state. She's in a state where she's got certain ways that she prepares for that. 
So I do a similar thing, and I would encourage your listeners to find their way. So rushing to that meeting when it's your mm. presentation is not mm. a good idea. Go the day before if you can and check out the room. I'm a big fan of, of when I've been speaking in other venues, going and watching yeah. the speakers beforehand. So if I'm speaking at 2 o'clock, I'll be there at 9 o'clock and I'll listen all day. For two reasons, because when it's my turn to speak, I might have certain things that I want to reference from those people that I have witnessed. But I also want to make sure that my style and my technique and my speaking might be different from those people. You all know what it's like when you've been in a situation where presenter after presenter after presenter are all the same. So I would encourage people in terms of the mindset to have a flexibility within that. It's the growth mindset rather than the fixed mindset of speaking in a way. If we use Carol Dweck's ideas here to really go into how can I be able to be flexible, mindful of the yeah. audience, as well as aware of my own personal uh, state in that moment. So it's a bit of a juggling act, I will admit. And so it's, it's where a, a place like Toastmasters is a great place for people to go and practice. It's a closed community environment. Or go to a meetup where people are all there to, to yeah. practice public speaking. Or find a group of friends and just have a, a mm -hmm. night yeah. where you practice uh, some funny speeches or tell, telling stories to each other. But we tell, we tell stories at work. We tell stories in our everyday life. We shake hands with people in our everyday life. And this is what I mean by the mindset. So there may mm -hmm. be aspects of your of a person's personality that are already there already shifted already uh to that point so to push that further is not the point it may be to balance it out with other aspects of of their performance and creating for each person a performer's mindset because as i said it, it is a a performance uh in in that sense I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you if someone is really just starting out with public speaking, like, where should they start? Should they just go to Toastmasters? And Honestly, you know, you're, you're, you, every person's experience is different, but Toastmasters is a fantastic way. You can go and pay for a Dale Carnegie course, or you could pay for other courses. Online training is fantastic. Absolutely. I'm, you know, I have a Udemy course, so I'm not trying to dissuade you from that. But you need to find places within your life to actually put it into practice. Now, it could be at your local church. It could be at Toastmasters. It could be at work. It could be at a comedy night. So I know a few people who love going to open night, open night mics, uh, open mic nights, sorry, uh, in in wow. Vienna or in other places, and they just try out some some jokes, some comedy, because you know humor is what they want to do. So it depends on, in a way, what you're trying to to do. But uh, you know, there are other there are there are acting classes. I know there's a place here called the English Theatre. They put on workshops and things. Hmm. So any of these environments where you're in a group and you've got to put your hand up and you've got to participate are all opportunities to public speak as well. That's amazing. And uh, actually, it reminded me of, um, you know, finding your authentic voice, because, uh, for example, I don't really want to, you know, uh, tell jokes, but I want to give speeches that inspire mm -hmm. people. This is, I think, my voice. And the way I found it was mainly through the podcasting. So before that, I wasn't speaking that much. 
and it helped me to find yeah mainly the topic that I'm I'm really passionate about and I want to talk about so it 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 took a you know a couple of months but it it helps a lot so how can someone find his or her authentic voice through public speaking I've often said to people in a coaching what's a topic when you go to a party that if you meet somebody and they say oh my gosh I like that topic too and you could spend all night talking about it. If you're really not sure what it is, go and ask your partner. Go and ask someone in your family and say to them, what's the one thing that I'm always talking about? And they'll say, oh, it's mobile phones or it's technology or it's it's uh, cooking, it's recipes, it's something. You know, there's, there's always a topic that we have a huge amount of information on. And the thing I would encourage people to find their authentic voice is to speak on topics, as you say, about passion. But it also might be topics that really get you going. What gets your energy going? What gets your your system moving and your eyes light up? You know, and it's when your eyes light up when you're in a conversation with a good friend about that particular topic that may be the kernel of a seed of the seed where you really could, if planted, if you plant that seed, that could grow into your topic. And we all have topics. You know, I I don't. For instance, people when I sang would say, oh, why don't you go on the, in Australia, it was yeah. called The Voice or it was called, yeah, you yeah. know, Australia's Biggest Talent or something. And I'd say to them, honestly, I'm not a pop singer. I'm, I'm very good at opera. I, I wasn't born in an operatic family. I don't come from musicians. I can't explain where I get my voice from, yeah. but I don't, yeah. I don't sing pop. I, don't, I sing a certain genre of classical music, and that's how I, I had training in that, and that's where my voice is best suited. So when it comes to speaking, where is your message best suited? What kind of, as you said, uh, Tibor, maybe your style is the, inf- uh, the inspirational, motivational, yeah. informational style, whereas others are there to entertain. I just read on the way home uh, today, Dale Carnegie's book on effective speaking, it's, it's honestly over 100 years old, but it's full of golden nuggets of wisdom. And he said there are these main types of speeches, the motivational, the informational, the, the, the entertainment speech, and then the, the speech about sort of processes and, and things like this. So you have to find wh- what kind of speech you suit. I, I also don't do comedy. I don't feel that I'm very funny. And so in my Toastmasters journey, when you advance through the levels, you do manuals that perhaps you need to think about. So I did humorous speaking and I did entertaining speaker to try and find perhaps some skill or some idea around what topics yeah. can I be funny in? What stories can I tell where I'm funny and perhaps can make people laugh? So finding your authentic voice, I'd say start with your authentic stories. We all know when we see people on stage and they tell a story and you know it's not about them. Now, collecting stories is good. John Maxwell, I've done a lot of reading on him. He'll say, I'm a story collector. Absolutely. But we need to find ways to personalize the story or in a way to incorporate uh, our thoughts and feelings. So when people tell stories that are authentic, they come from the heart, they come from the emotion, they come from the energy that we bring. And that's really, as I say, a theme for me is energy. What what energy do we bring? So to find your topic, go and ask people around you. What do I not 
kind of shut up about (laughs) what am I always on about you know and then that might be the start to say ah how could I turn that into a three to five minute speech what would I talk about what would I offer and that's where you know I'm a voice coach I'm not a sports coach I'm not a uh, I'm not a singing teacher even because I don't feel like I have you know I have skills around public speaking more than I don't play the piano, for instance, which precludes me really from being a singing teacher. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I've walked into this area because I'm combining, uh, you know, acting and singing and drama, plus years of public speaking, as I said, from when I was captain of rowing uh, 20, 23 years ago at school and I was pushed in front of the crowd. And all through my life, I would say, you know, when I studied psychology, when I studied opera, when I was in the opera, I was pushed in front of people. It's like the universe was saying, right, this is what you're meant to do. When I became a trainer of English here in Vienna, pushed in front of people. Wow. I'd gone from doing my training suddenly to, okay, having real paying people through the the company that I collaborate with, you know? So all along, you're in that environment and you just get used to it the more you do it. Mm. So it's a way, you know, the authenticity can come over time and molding and crafting your story as well as being aware of what people respond to in their hearts as well. That's amazing. And, you know, I think I uh, tapped into this uh, to some extent with the podcast. And um, as you mentioned, my feeling was rather uh, inspirational, motivational, informational. And I was coming from this place of service because, you know, I'm not a native speaker. And of course, I had a lot of you know, uh, anxieties or nervousness around overcoming this, uh, with the podcast. But when I was coming from this place of service that I want to inspire others and show them possibilities and give them something, I think I tapped into this feeling of being authentic, you know, because that was the thing that was coming from inside. And I think it's really important when you speak on stage as well, you find this true self or, or true message because, you know, oftentimes if it's not really authentic or it's not coming from 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 inside or or from your true self, you might not be that powerful or or you don't get into the flow state because it's not really resonating with you. I think at least, right? Because you know, it's what I'm talking about right now. It's resonating. That's why I'm willing to, you know, just do this no matter what, even if I, you know, do mistakes and so on and so forth. But I think. Everything, uh, you know, can be just practiced and, and that's a good thing. Well, it, it takes time. And I, I like, I want to pick up on your word of service and I, I didn't mention it, but to, for instance, Toastmasters has four values that they talk about, respect, integrity, service, mm-hmm. and excellence. So right. I put it into the acronym RISE, R-I-S-E. They put it differently in Toastmasters, but why not shift it around and make it about coaching and growth? And service is number three, service to others. And the more you get into Toastmasters, one realizes that it's actually their tagline is where leaders are made. And coming to your idea that when you build on your authenticity, you realize that your stories aren't just there as an ego-driven idea for you to be a platform to just share your story. You know, Tony Robbins tells his story in order to deliver a message of service to others, either a service as inspiration 
service as possibility, service as look what you can do. If I can do it, you can do it. I'm just a guy too. And so it's that really, as you say, I think when we're in a growth mindset, we come back to what else can I learn? What else can I take on here? And that's the humility that then creates the, the servitude in order to, to go on uh, and, and realize yeah. that I'm here for others. And the more I coach, when I get into a really great state uh, myself as a coach, I once reflected to, to my mentor and therapist that when I sang, I felt a certain way. And I've realized now that when I train, I feel that same way. When I coach, I feel that same way. So when I'm invested in others, I, I used to sing for the audience. I sang for their pleasure. Sometimes, you know, it was not pleasurable for me to sing because I had things to do in life and it was the last thing I wanted to do, but I'm there to serve. Or in a concert, you're there to serve the audience and give them a feeling. And it was one of my drama teachers, her name is Anna Sweeney, who once said to me, it's when you realize that that's the gift you give people. You know, often we realize, well, we're not brain surgeons, we're not lawyers, we're not you know, even supermarket attendants who are there, you know, their, their jobs are very clear. They serve the community in those ways. But she said, but think about it. People go to work and they come to the opera and they get treated to three hours of a piece of music that's famous, that's emotional, that's tuneful, that is meant to take them on a journey somewhere and maybe provide some inspiration, some thought, some thought-provoking ideas. That's your job. That's your job to go in and make that happen. So the higher you can make your art, the better you can make your art from that base of service, the better the result and the more people will be inspired to, to come and see your performances. And I've never forgotten that in that sense of absolute service to others. And your message when you share it should be really to help others feel that. They should feel like, oh, he's here to serve me. We all see ego and we all see humility. Wow, I love it. And, you know, you mentioned ego, which is, which is yes, because when you are coming from this place of service, you basically forget about your ego because you forget about your inner critic. You know, I don't look good. Mm -hmm. I don't speak perfect English and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. It's basically my case, really, you know, when you forget about those things and you simply get into this flow that you were also talking about by coming from a place of service. I think it's mm. really powerful. And um, yeah, actually, we are coming to the end of the episode. And I wanted to ask you about books because the listeners are really hungry. Mm, <laughs> books, great. Me too. And I was just wondering, mm -hmm. uh, what are the books that transform your life in some ways? Uh, business, mm -hmm. mindset, psychology, even public speaking, mm. what are those books? Sure. I, last year, I, I gave myself a task to read as many books as I could, and I reached the number of 31 over the 12, month, 12 months. Congratulations. Which, dang, I, I feel good about I haven't yet reached Bill Gates's 50-plus books. He's a voracious reader. But three books that really made a difference to me last year in particular were, wow. uh, in this order, The 5 a.m. Club, by Robin wow. Sharma. Now, this is a book yeah. that talks about your morning routine. And so when I read the book, I was inspired. And for 100 days, I got up at 5 a.m. And I <laughs> run the routine that he talks about. Yeah. And, Amazing. And I didn't stop at 100. 
just at after 100 days, I decided to let myself sleep in maybe till seven o'clock if, if my body needed it, because I had, you know, it's a story for another day. But basically, after 100 days, I thought, great, I'm now in the routine. And in the book, he really talks about how to create the right routine. And so I, I still run that routine. I got up this morning at five. I'm going to get up tomorrow at five, even though it's my birthday. And maybe on Sunday I will uh, <laughs> on Sunday I will maybe sleep in till six or seven. Give myself just a slightly longer sleep. But on the whole, now I'm nearly ten months into this idea. I still get up at five, and I feel like it is sacred time. It's the first hour of my day. There's no tech. I run a 20-20-20 formula, which is 20 minutes of exercise, 20 minutes of journaling, and 20 minutes of reading, which is how I got through to read 31 books in the year. But it made a huge difference. And I really feel like it's a book that, uh, you know, you could read and go, yeah. And it's also written as a story, which is the other cool part. So the wisdom is released through a parable, through a story. Uh, which I often find is easier for us to read. We get the information. It's not a textbook. It's not a manual. It's a story. And that's really great. So I really recommend Robin Sharma's 5am club. After that, I then read James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. And you may have mentioned it with others. But for me, James was the one, and this is where I put the two ideas together. James, for instance, says in the book, to miss one day is okay. To miss two is a problem. And so, you know, I, I noticed it over Christmas. I will admit to, to you and your listeners that over Christmas, I finished, uh, I had two weeks off from work. And for two weeks, I got up at eight o'clock. I dropped the 5 a.m. idea. I still ran my, I still, yeah, I, I yeah. get up at eight and I still went for my walk. I still did my journal. I still did my reading, but I wasn't getting up at five. And yet when I made the shift back to 5 a.m., couple of weeks ago as we started the new year i said right back to 5 a.m my body just got back on (laughs) just started doing it again so you know for me it shows you that i built enough of the habit memory in a way to realign with the habit but so often people you know it's like you, you go and give one failed public speech and then people go oh well that's it for me i'm i'm hopeless at this this is stupid no you just got to go and do another one and then another one and another one. And you'll find that if you miss one, that's okay. Go and do the next one. But if you miss two, you miss three. Three turns into seven. Seven turns into 11. And you know, before long, you've dropped that habit. And so Atomic Habits, mm-hmm. he talks about that. He talks about environment. He talks about change of state. He talks about identity at the end of it all. And this is a, a maybe a theme for another day. But when it comes to your authenticity, your mindset, your flow, the stage anxiety and and the whole performance mindset, it comes down to your identity. Can you see yourself as a speaker? And unless you can can see yourself as a speaker, you're not going to be a speaker. Just as I don't see myself as somebody who goes to the gym and works out, so I don't do it. I paid for a fit-in membership that I haven't used. And I've since ceased doing that, you know. So we all have things in our life where you go, oh, what am I doing that for? I got caught up in that. But finding your true essence is about saying, what habits, what things can I not do without in life? And the more I do the 5 a.m. get up, the more I realize this is a crucial part of my life. I was missing that over Christmas and I got straight back into it and I feel good. 
I feel good because I have an hour for me to work on my mindset, to work on my growth, to 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 also work with the the, the negative side. I have a, a wonderful mentor uh, in Australia, and his name is Jason Irving, and he is part of what's called the Wellness Breakthrough Academy. <laughs> and at the Wellness Breakthrough Academy, it's not about wholly about mindset. It is, but it's not only about the positive. It's about working with the negative in order to bring in balance. And so this is where, you know, mm. you can be great at one thing, but wow. bring in the other and suddenly it's more holistic. So that's where I'm working with him. My, my final book is by Jerry Wiseman and it's called The Power Presenter. And I work for, I work for a language firm, uh, as I may not have said, but I'm also the HR manager for a language firm. And this owner has lots of books on the bookshelf. Mm-hmm. And one day... The book popped out at me. It's almost like it fell out onto my head. Uh, it was it was a moment, a, not quite a God sent moment, but it was there. And I reached wow. up and I thought that book looks interesting. It's got a yellow cover and a red side to it. I pulled it out, and it's called The Power Presenter: Techniques, Style, and Strategy from America's Top Speaking Speech Speaking Coach. Now, a fellow that maybe you've never heard of, I hadn't certainly. And uh, wow. I opened the book. I started reading. And I thought, wow, this is great. He was the fellow who says, verbalize, don't memorize. If you're giving a presentation, for instance, with a slide deck and you've got a a projector screen, he said, go and stand on the left uh, of the screen or the right, the, the, the right side. The left side is the audience looks at it, the right side for you because you want people's eyes to go from you to the slide, you to the slide. If they have to play ping pong because you're standing in some other side of the stage or somewhere else, their eyes are going back and forth and back and forth. You're not making it easy for the audience. You're not serving the audience in that way. So for me, these are, you know, I, I love reading because I love taking tips from all sorts of sources, and that's the richness of the time that we live in. We've got so many books that we can bring in and incorporate. And that's really what I love now is being able to say to somebody, hey, go read this book, go read that book, and maybe you'll find some inspiration there. That's amazing. So much value for the listeners, David. I really appreciate this. And uh, actually, uh, before I ask my last question, please just tell the listeners where they can find you or get in touch with you online sure so my website is www.resonantpd.com so r-e-s-o-n-a-n-t-p-d.com i'm also on facebook at resonant personal development and i'm on linkedin as david corcoran so very much uh this year my focus is on linkedin and working with people putting out video content uh, and I also have a Udemy course, which is on uh, crushing public speaking or your fear around public speaking. But if you put my name into Udemy in the search engine, you'll also get uh, the course there as well. But yeah, basically, I, I'm on everything. So just interact with me if you wish. If, if any of your listeners would like to chat, I'm always open to to having a conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. And people will find the uh links in the show notes as always and on the website mindsethorizon.com very simple and uh, my last question is you tapped into this to some extent so what is your your vision your focus for the future with your business right now 
So I want to work with as many people as, as I can to empower them to take responsibility for their communication. I love it, David. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed the conversation. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. What is up, Mindset Nation? Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. And if so, please make sure to spread the word and share this episode with your friends. We are on a mission to build this community of Mindset Nation. So please make sure to go to iTunes, go to Stitcher and support us by rating and reviewing the show. And don't forget to subscribe as well. For more information about Mindset Horizon, simply visit our website MindsetHorizon.com and sign up to our weekly newsletter to get the latest information about new episodes, Mindset Transforming freebies, tips and insights. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, leave us a message, we'd love to get in touch with you and hear more about you. Alright guys, thank you so much for listening, take care and be limitless my friends.